0: Every so often, a song gets written uh, in the church. And one of the reasons that uh, we as a church... Uh, do new songs, isn't because we want to keep up with new songs, but because in every generation, God raises up songwriters who become prophets and prophetesses speaking into the life of the church, okay? And so that's one of the reasons why we really are passionate about listening to new songs and discerning what God's saying through those new songs and then bringing them to the church. Now, we use old songs as well, okay, like we just did, but we're really passionate about that, not because we're trying to be trendy or trying to copy, but because God in every generation uses the prophets The songwriters to say something into the life of the church, and uh, Hillsong, uh, one of the the, the, maybe one of the leading uh, kind of schools churches across the uh, across the world, bringing some new songs in, and this song called "So Will I." is an amazing song. And uh, before we sing it tonight, and we're going to spend some time singing it, and you're going to see some amazing visuals as as the guys uh, sing it uh, with us tonight. I want to talk into it, okay, because it's one of those songs that you can't just kind of leap out there. It needs a little bit of explanation. And then as we introduce it into the life of the church, I believe that God's going to really use it to speak into so many different situations And the song is called, So Will I. And um, if you ever think about will, the power of will, how powerful is God's will? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because at His will, the world was created. It's His will that no one should perish, but everyone should come to eternal life. Uh, And we, we say in that prayer that we talked about a few weeks ago, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's the problem if the, if the will of God is so powerful, why is there so much pain, hatred and mess in the world that we see? The problem of evil is as ancient as humanity itself. And the problem of evil in, in a philosophy kind of statement is this. If God is unable to prevent evil, then he is not all powerful. If God is not willing to prevent evil, he is not all good. And that's the conundrum that many people have. That's one of the barriers people have to coming to faith. If he's all powerful, okay, why is there all this evil? And if, and if, he, and if he is, not, is he not willing, well, if he's not willing, then he's not good. But the thing is, what we don't understand is that there's another will at work in the world, and that's our will. And that's our will. And that's incredibly powerful. You see, I want to talk firstly about the importance of our will. Victor Hugo, who's an author, said, People do not, do not lack strength. They lack will. People don't lack strength. They lack will. Because I want it means nothing until I can summon up the power to will it. And our will is incredibly, incredibly important. Then there's the power of our will. You know the old story of Muhammad Ali. You remember the famous boxer who, who declared himself to be Superman. And um, you know he's all powerful, Muhammad Ali, at the height of his power. He was great, wasn't he? He was great. It's a little bit of tongue in cheek. He was great. But it, all that stuff, if you remember that era, and that famous story that when he's on an aeroplane and the, and the stewardess says, can you put your seatbelt on? And he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no plane either. So put your seatbelt on. <laughs> and it was Gandhi that said, Strength does not come from physical comp- capacity, it comes from indomitable will. The power of our will is incredibly important. But then there are the challenges to our will. And again, one of my favorite, old, really old stories the little kid that's, that's in the car and he's standing on the seat. And mommy says to him, Sit down. And he won't sit down. And she says, I'm about to pull away, I'm about to drive off, sit down. And he won't do it. And she says, You better sit down or there'll be some trouble. And he sits down and he looks at her and she looks at him and she says, thank you for obeying what I said. And he said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> and how many of us, if we're honest, have that kind of issue with our will? To engage our will. Well, I'll do it on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. The challenge is to us engaging our will. Pride, stubbornness, fear, apathy, sin experiences, hurt, ego, all these things. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 7.15, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. Why is that? Well he says it in Galatians 5.16-17, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, what your will, in other words, craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires which are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. There is a battle within us of the will. Our human will fights often against the will of the Father, the will of the spirit at work in our lives. And I think this song speaks into this. Because the theme of this song is, so will I. I will engage my will because of what you have done and who you are. Let me read what Hillsong say about this song themselves. This song is about God as an artisan. This song is about God as an artist working his masterpiece. A work of art called love. And it began with creation and it goes through the whole story where it was finished at the cross. And now it continues to be rebirthed and restored in and through us here and now. The whole picture is response. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. You know, if creation bows before you, so will I. If all, if all exists to praise you, so will I. And the more we thought about it, they say, there was just endless metaphors and pictures and things that came back to this response. And maybe nothing better than if you laid your life down, if you gladly chose surrender, so will I. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. And if you left the grave behind you, so will I. To me, that's everything. The entire story of why we're here and our purpose and what it means to follow Jesus and live for him. Now, I want to say something about a bit in this song. Because the song has got a little bit of a controversial bit in it because it uses the word evolving. And I know that for some of us, when we hear the word evolving or evolve or evolution, we will get a little bit jittery, okay? And here's the line. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. Can I just say something, okay? Evolution should not be a dirty word or a bad word. We do not have to be fearful of the word evolution. Science and faith are not mutually exclusive. They are mutually compatible, Science can explain the how, whereas faith will always explain the why. They are two sides of the same coin. Francis Collins, who is a a head of the Human Genome Project and a believer, he said, the God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. God can be found in the cathedral or in the laboratory. Come on. Albert Einstein said, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. We do not have to be fearful of the word evolution. Evolution the line in the song beautifully illustrates how the laws of nature are both set into motion by and in obedience to an all-powerful God. Okay, so we'll take that one off the table so you can all breathe a sigh of relief, okay? They're not mutually exclusive. They are compatible. They really are. And there are four I will responses that I want to draw out of the song and then I want to invite you to sing it and to respond to God through this song. The first one, maybe, maybe the big one really in one sense, is I will worship. I you see, worship is an act of the will. It's an act of the will. And, and, and some of the lines in the song, if the stars were made to worship, if the mountains bow in reverence, if the oceans cry out your greatness, if the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. In other words, if creation that has no will of its own, yet worships you, then so will I. In private, in my life, in my lifestyle, and in corporate, when we gather together like this, Jesus says in John 4, 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. And the word He uses for seek, for seeks, is the same word that He uses in John ten when He says the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. So it's like God is His eyes are ranging through the through, through the world, looking to seek. Not worship. He isn't looking for worship. He's looking for worshippers. He's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. But the music is too loud. But the lights are this. And But I don't like that and I don't like that. But I will worship. I'm going to just say a comment. We know that this is a perennial conversation and debate in all churches everywhere. And in ours as well. And we're listening and doing all that we can. Okay? But, and one of the things that we are going to do is that we are going to drop the level, especially at the first service. We're going to try and do that. But what we don't want to do is to lose the sense of what God is doing among us. Okay, so we're really working with that and we're really trying to work with all of those different issues. But can I say, however hard we work at it and however much we're, we ain't going to please everybody all the time. Because for as many people say it's too loud, others say it's not loud enough. For as many that says it's too dark in here, other, uh, the other week, week, I thought it was too dark and we had so many people say, thank you, that was so good that it was that dark. Because I didn't feel exposed, I didn't feel awkward and I could worship God. And I had other people come to me and say, it was too dark in there. We are trying our best. We will do our best. We want to serve you, but more than that, we want to serve God. We want to serve God. And when it comes down to it, if it isn't exactly as you want it or like it, and it isn't always for me neither. It doesn't matter because worship is a response of the will. If you would do this, God, if the stars would worship you, if the rocks would cry out when you, if the mountains would bow down, so will I. Worship is an act of the will. And I just felt God gave me three phrases that I want to just launch on. I've never thought of these like this before. When my eyes don't see it, I will. When my eyes don't see it, I will. When my eyes don't see what you're doing, God, and when my eyes don't even see you, I will worship you. Heard a story recently of a, of a North Korean lady. I think I may have shared this before, and she was in a, a, a concentration camp in North Korea for her faith. And, and the guy that met her, worship leader, and he told the story of his interaction with her, and how she said that, that that this lady could not talk about Jesus openly at all in the camp, in the prison camp. And she used to walk across the, the, the courtyard, and she would, if she passed another person, she'd just whisper, "Hallelujah." And wait for a response. And if the response came, amen, then they connected. And they realised that the only place that the guards wouldn't follow them was the toilets. So that's where they went and they arranged to meet in the toilets. And under their breath, they worshipped God. And I don't know about how many of us would, in that situation, worship Jesus. When my eyes can't see it, I will. When my eyes can't see what you're doing, God. When you're stuck in that horrible job when you're stuck in that frustrating situation, when you're stuck in that scenario and you can't see what God is doing, I will worship. When my eyes can't see it, I will. Habakkuk 3, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. It says, though my eyes don't see it, I will. Secondly, when my mind doesn't think it, I will. When my mind can't comprehend what is going on, I will worship him anyway. Mark Batterson said, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshipping what's right with God. And some of us are in that situation right now and our mind can't comprehend what is happening around us or to us. He's still worthy of our worship, isn't he? When my mind can't, doesn't think it, I will. And then thirdly, when my feelings don't feel it, I will. So when my mind doesn't see it, I will. When my mind doesn't, can't think it, I will. When my feelings don't feel it, I will. We have feelings, but our feelings don't have us. We have feelings, but our feelings don't have us. And there's many, many times when I don't feel like worshiping God, but I want to engage my will because that's powerful, isn't it? It's really powerful when we do that. Again, and I know Dan quotes this often, very important. Worshipping God when you don't feel like it isn't fake, it's faith. Because faith, we don't see it. We, We can't sometimes feel it, but we know it's true. And it's the evidence of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. And so when I can't see it, and my mind can't understand it, and I don't feel it, I will worship. Isn't that great? Wouldn't we be known as a people like that? In Psalm 63, David says, You God are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land, there's no water. I can't see it. I can't understand it. I can't feel it. But then he goes on to say this, I've seen you in the sanctuary, beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied with the singing lips. My mouth will praise you. I will. I will. I will. That's powerful, isn't it? So I want to encourage you. Be someone who says, I'm going to engage my will. So will I. I will worship Secondly, there's a response to, I will live in the life that God has won for me. There's a great line. I love this line. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. And I love that story in the book of John, where Lazarus is uh, resurrected. You know that story? And he's in the tomb and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out. And, And the Bible says this. It says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He was bound with his hands, bound at his feet and bound around his head. And how many of us, we're free, but we're living like we're dead. We're living with those grave clothes of death. And if he left the grave behind him, so will I. And maybe that's a word for some of you tonight. That actually God has resurrected you spiritually and he's brought you out of the grave. So don't live like you're still in it. Because if he's left the grave behind him, so will I. The call and the invitation to live that kind of life is incredible. And then the third um, response is, I will surrender. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. William Booth, one of my spiritual heroes, the founder of the Salvation Army, along with his wife, Catherine, he said, the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. And often we think about surrender as defeat and as weakness and as giving up. But in the kingdom of God, it's all inverted, isn't it? So when we surrender, that is the ultimate. We're saying, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. The Methodist covenant prayer that many of you will know, I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now glorious and blessed God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. That level of surrender, if you gladly chose surrender, so will I. But I don't know about you, but when it comes to surrender, that's when my will rises up and I don't wanna do it. Is it only me like that? but actually saying, oh no God, you gladly chose surrender, so will I. You gladly chose that path, so will I. That's the response. And then the final response, I will love the people that God loves. And there is an incredible uh, set of lines in, in this song. It says this, I can see your heart eight billion different ways. What an incredible lyric. That's referring to 8 billion people on the planet. I can see your heart 8 billion different ways. Every precious one, a child, you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. There is nobody on planet Earth that God didn't give his life for. That's hard for us, isn't it? When we think about some of the people in our world, Some of the people that we read about, that we watch, that we see, that we experience, that we encounter, that are our managers or our bosses, do you know what I mean? To actually believe that God died for them. And it shows his heart 8 billion different ways. Oscar Wilde once said, come over here and sit next to me. I'm dying to tell you all about myself. And I wonder how many of us are actually like that. You know, someone, I heard someone say this recently, if God answered the prayers you were praying, whose world would be changed apart from your own? And I wonder, if God actually shows his heart eight billion different ways, do we show our heart by the prayers that we pray and by the people that we reach out to and by the lives that we try to touch for him? I shared this story recently about D.L. Moody that I discovered this story just a few weeks ago. Um, D.L. Moody was a, a famous evangelist that saw thousands of people become Christians at big events. But he prayed, that, uh, he prayed for a hundred people by name that he knew to come to faith in his lifetime. So personal witness. At, at his funeral, 96 of those hundred had come to faith. At his funeral, the other four gave their lives to Jesus. And when I read that story, I thought, wow, that is so, so incredible. And then as I was preparing this and I was sat in my chair um, that's in our lounge, my kind of prayer chair, and I was just sitting on this and I thought, you know, if 300 of us, 300 of us, okay, saw one person come to faith in the next year, that would be 600 people. If those 600 did that the next year, that would be 1,200 people by 2020. If that rate continued over the next five years, it's nearly 40,000 people people. Yeah, it's maths. But it's one person reaching one person. And that one person reaching another person. And everyone doing that on a consistent basis. Couldn't that be incredible? If you showed your heart eight billion different ways, every precious one, a child you died to save, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. I want to invite the band to come back up. The wish is not enough. We have to will it. And you know, can I just say to you, just a couple of other things off the cuff here. If you want this church to be more loving, will it. Don't wish it, will it, by saying, so will I. If you want this church to be more evangelistic, don't just wish it, will it, by saying, so will I. If you want us as a community to impact more and more communities around us, don't just ask someone else to do it. Say, God, here am I, I will. I will. Because it's not through our wish, it's through our will that we engage with the will of God. Let's stand together. Let's stand. And as we come to sing this song and to worship him, I want to ask you a question tonight. How's your will? How's your will? He's done all this for us. Our response has to be, so will I. So will I. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible goodness to us. Lord, it's been a great evening already. We've sensed your presence, Lord. We've celebrated what you've done. But Lord, now as we come around this song that's been written, God, as I believe is a prophetic song to the church across the world with so much richness and so much vivid metaphor and imagery. God, I pray that we'll go right through that and that it won't just touch us in our senses, but it will touch us at our will. And Lord, I pray, God, that as we sing some of these lines to you tonight, that something will happen in our will. God, I believe there are people here and and we're struggling to worship you because we can't see you. We can't understand you. We can't feel you. But God, I pray that tonight we would engage our will. Some of us are struggling to leave the grave behind. We're struggling to leave the grave clothes behind. But God, because you chose to do it, so will we. And Lord, maybe some of us are struggling to... To just love those people around us. But you chose to do that. You love 8 billion people in an incredible way. So because you did that, Lord, so will we. So now, Lord, would you come as we worship you through this song. God, may it be more than a song. May it be something that activates our will for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name.